0: You know the guy with the good hair who you see all over your LinkedIn feed? That's Startup Jason. But before there was Startup Jason, there was Flannel Jason. Flannel Jason led marketing operations at big enterprise companies like Tableau, Workfront, and Getty Images. And leading marketing at enterprise companies and high-growth startups are two very different beasts. On today's episode of Demand Gen U, we'll compare Jason's experience working in both environments. What's similar, what's different, and what he's learned along the way. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. So before we get any further in this episode, and I'm excited about this one because I've heard a lot of this firsthand from you when we've gone hiking and when we've been together in person, but I don't think many people at Metadata know a lot about this or people that you've worked with before. So before we get any further, what is flannel, Jason?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, um my uniform in the the enterprise companies I worked at was a flannel shirt. And actually, I have all of them. The same ones are right here in my closet. <laughs> they don't get worn very often now. But it was flannel shirt, jeans, you know, and like some kind of tech boy shoes, you know, like, I don't know, probably some Johnson and Murphy, like, damn leather uppers with a white sole, you know, something oh like that. Oh, my <laughs> so, God. Um, and I don't know something about my, just my aesthetic, it just plaid draws me in. I don't know if just plaid is like my thing. And so, yeah. well, or it used to be, I don't know anymore, but, um, and so that was my uniform every day, it was flannels, jeans and flacked, like in, in, in flacked. Yeah. See there. In fact, um, somebody actually, oh, I was meeting, I was meeting an employee at the airport one time and she's like. I immediately, I just was looking for flannels. You know, she's like, I just immediately found you. She's like, I just knew where's the flannels, (laughs) like a safety basket. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's that was that was flannel, Jason. Definitely years and years and years. And my favorite brand was Untuck it. So I don't know if anyone's seen that that brand of yes, Untuck it shirts. That was my uh, brand of choice. um, Because I would leave them untucked. Of course, I can't tuck a shirt in. and, uh, and that was it. Yep. So that gave me, that was four or five years of, of uniform. Probably.
0: <laughs> I already have an amazing idea for a social clip, but we'll have to do a side by side of like one of your old oh pictures <laughs> that you, I think you had it on Facebook for a while where I was like, who is this dude? Like, is that my yeah. boss? Like, no. Yeah. And then, yep. uh, startup Jason, but yeah, we'll have to do a side by side with startup and flannel. So, uh, now that we got the the story out of the way and I'm sure there's going to be some other good stories too. Did you see yourself, you know, always wanting to get into, like, enterprise software companies? Like, how did you kind of get there and end up there and walk me through all that?
1: Yeah, I, um, when I was, it started a long time ago, when I was a kid in school, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a doctor, and then I was lazy, and I was like, okay, I really want to be a doctor. But, yeah, I wanted to be a doctor really bad. That was my thing, is like. Uh, I wanted to be a doctor. I was probably smart enough to do it. You know what I mean? I think it probably, you know, but like, um, I don't think I had the work ethic at that age, you know? So when I looked at like the requirements, you know, and all the schooling I'd have to go through, um, and I, you know, we weren't very well off. And so I wanted money faster than, you know, anything else really. And so I was like, businessman, I'm going to be a businessman. That's literally. I was like a businessman. (laughs) So no idea what kind of business I was going to do. Um, went to school went to UW for business school you know got got into business school and 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 completed that still didn't know what I wanted to do um, but I knew like my goal was I want to be a VP at a public company and that was like a goal I set for myself so I think the public company part is what steered me towards the enterprise and I don't know why I didn't know anything about startups I um, and in fact, we'll probably get into this a little bit. I, I don't feel like I ever had an opportunity really, you know, like after I really started, I don't think the opportunity was really there either. Cause I always looked up to, start. I was like, oh man, how do they get into it? You know, I would have like some friends that would be getting into it. And I was just like, I don't know if that happens a lot where people go from big enterprise into startup. I don't feel like I saw a lot of that movement. I felt like it was more startup and then like later on you go to enterprise, um, So I didn't feel like I had a lot of opportunity either, but yeah, um, so first goal was just, I wanna be a VP at a public company. And that's what really kind of started it. So I didn't know why. Quick
0: story time for me. You do know one person who went from enterprise to startup because (laughs) I went from Accenture, which was 280,000 plus or minus 10,000 employees on any given day, given who was coming and going (laughs) to a startup marketing agency with five people. So I have actually done it before, but it's funny with this episode because I've only, I've really only worked at startups and you've got a ton of enterprise experience and this is your first startup, which we'll get into, but I think it, it leads to, uh, some interesting perspectives. So let's get in the first question. Now, maybe we can go like, I, I guess, either company by company, or you can just kind of use different companies as an example, but what were some of the things that you liked, you know, uh, when you were leading marketing at an enterprise company?
1: Yeah, I mean I think you know the the easiest thing is like all the benefits and resources and you know and um benefits for sure pay, you know pay was always really good um at least I felt like it was and also when you're at like a Microsoft or a Tableau and equity is a big part of the component um it's just immediate money you know what I mean so it's not like private equity where it's like oh I hope someday this will turn into something it was like basically Part of your pay, you know, you, it was like you would be given the stock and then you just turn around and sell it. You know, sometimes there'd be vesting, but oftentimes it'd just be stock grants as part of like your pay, which is always interesting. And so so that was always nice, the the budget, you know, that I had to get stuff done, the resources. But, you know, there's downsides of that, too, right? Like if you get everything that you're asking for, which oftentimes happens in, a, in an enterprise you're not actually trying, you, you don't have to actually dig deep and try anything new, you know? So it's like, that's a double-edged sword, I guess. Um, but it was, I thought at the time it was nice, you know, oh, I, I just asked for it and I get it, you know, it like, oh, sweet. This is, you know, easy. Um, the And then like, you do end up doing projects that you would just never do at a startup. You know what I mean? Because like the company is just, they've they've done all the things that the startup has done, you know, and figured out. And so like, you know, like at Tableau, working on that, you know, nine, 10 month attribution project, which I hate, but, you know, still a a project of that magnitude, you know, we spent a quarter million dollars just trying to build our own, purely our own attribution model. We hired, you know, data scientists and this guy from a goddamn university. And, you know, you just get these, you have resources that you can, and we hired Slalom, you know, consulting to come in. So you just get these resources where you can do these bigger kind of interesting, meaty things, but then at the same time, you also don't have your hands in it, you know, and so like, there's that double-edged sword too. It's like, you're doing these cool things and you're, you can kind of say you did them, but you don't really have your, you don't have your hands super as into them as you would at a startup. Um, yeah. So this is not the point of the episode, but
0: I've heard you tell me this story a couple of different times. So we're going to save everyone who's listening about a quarter of a million dollars because Jason, what did you find out at the end of that project?
1: <laughs> um. We got no direction from it. It was like, it would tell us it would, it was very, it was probably highly accurate, which is a funny thing. But, um, you know, when you actually end up with a report that just says like, oh, here's a deal and, you know, paid search gets this percent of a credit and this gets this percent and it's all mathematical, then it's like, oh, sweet. What do we do with that now? You know, it's like, oh, it's telling me what happened, but I don't know how to make more of that happen because, you know, it's all human behavior and all that good stuff that we like to make fun of when we talk about attribution, but, um, but yeah, don't, don't do that. And if we use this, um, technology called Markov chain modeling, and I can describe it to you if I tried now, uh, Markov was a dude that came up with this, like a Russian dude, I'm I'm assuming (laughs) that came up with this, this approach to like modeling things. And yeah, I, it was well above my head, didn't work, probably went over budget. Um. And then I left probably shortly after
0: that. All right, back to the originally scheduled programming. So you talked about equity, you talked about benefits and pay and some of the projects and whatnot, were there anything in particular that, that you really enjoyed when it comes to leading teams at enterprise companies? I've heard the flip side of this, which we'll get to in a little (laughs) bit, but I didn't know if there's anything that you liked, you know, as that, that leader of the marketing operations team, because your, your marketing operations team was enormous at
1: tableau yeah it was like high sixties, 70 70 people in marketing operations and that's a lot of people um this is gonna f- there's not much that i enjoy the I, I don't want like everybody that used to work for me if you're listening to this i loved you all but like there is not <laughs> there is there is we're not, not bashing not, the people it's just no 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 sure. yeah there was just um it was a lot of especially at the tableau one where it was so many people and I had this like vision that I'm gonna be this leader that meets with every single one of the people that, you know, on my team. And, you know, some people it was monthly, some people it was maybe quarterly, some people weekly, but that was too much. Like that was just, that was I maybe, I don't know, do other people do something like that? I don't know, that was hard, um, but I wanted to feel close. And then when I couldn't feel close to people, I think it was just my relationship with people I think are it's, I don't know, they're more personal. And I think I had a harder time with that with 70 people. And uh, so there wasn't much I enjoyed um, about it. I, I, okay. I enjoy being courted by all the companies that thought I had a bunch of money. You know what I mean? Cause I did, you know, so I guess that was kind of cool. I would actually, that's, I hadn't thought about that in a while. I'd get some serious gifts, like get taken to like, you know, box seats, you know, it's like on the field at the Sounders game, you know, and like, stuff that I really enjoy. Oh, I remember like the hydroplane races when your Oracle took me to like, they had also Wait, like right on the water. Oh yeah, like, yeah, you'd get some, um some really interesting experiences. Yeah, Uh just kind of hand it to you. And like, I got to meet, uh, who'd I, the actor, James, damn it. Uh Everybody would know him. I can't remember his, his name now, but it's famous actor. I just got to do a meet and greet as part of this. So, you know, there was like these cool perks, but then, you know, at the end of the day, of course, they're just, it's all just in the vein of trying to get you to, you know, trying to win your business and that kind of thing. But I, I enjoyed that part. You know, I'll be selfish. I enjoyed that part of it. Um, the and then, of course, I had a bunch of peers, you know, and just people that I that I'm still close with today. You know, so I met a lot of great people, Um, but you can be a lot of great people at startups or at enterprises. Um, so, yeah, not much about just the enterprise experience itself that I really enjoyed. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, no unfortunately.
0: All right. So perfect segue into the next part. So again, all respectfully and professionally, I've heard a lot of this stuff before, so I'll probe you a little bit, but what were some of the things that the more time you spent in the enterprise, the less you liked and, and kind of pissed you off?
1: Yeah. Um, I like to get things done <laughs> and enterprises seem to be like allergic to that. You know, it was, it felt like everything was perpetual, you know, it was just like, Uh, things took way longer than they ever should. I remember when I first came here, I was just blown away and it was just meat, even though, I was just blown away by how much I could get done, you know, like actual tactical work to get like, you know, out in the field. Um, but that was one of the problems is like, you have so many people and now everybody wants to weigh in and you've got uh, levels of approval, you know? So now you gotta go like, do you like it? Do you like it? And then that begets your design by committee, you know, so then everything gets watered down. And that's really when I started, I, I had this experience over and over and I'm like, okay, this wasn't, this isn't just this one enterprise. You know what I mean? Because like, you know, if you have that one, if you work at a couple enterprises, maybe, oh, maybe these are anomalies. But over and over, it was like, this is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. It's, and then what happens is like, you never do anything that fun. You know, all you're really doing, it seemed like was optimizing a little bit, adding to, you know, or just like, trying to get slow, incremental growth and change. Um, So I didn't like that. And then also not knowing what your actual impact was. There's so many people, it's like, I do this one, I turn this cog, you know? It's like, I'm over here and I'm turning this wheel. 17 people have to do something after me, 50 people had to do something before me. So I don't really feel the impact that I'm having at all, you know, and especially, maybe especially if you're in marketing operations, um, you feel like you're supporting everybody else around you and then it's even hard you know maybe even more abstracted from the actual company performance you know that you're having an impact on so i really i didn't like that either it was like um what 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 value do i have here you know i'm a counselor to people <laughs> you know um so that's the ideas next part what, that i wanted want to go out.
0: into because i've heard you give me that talk before so let's go in the the people counseling part because i know You are, you said it just now, you're somebody that likes to get in there, get your hands dirty, actually do stuff, not only people manage. And it seemed like that was a huge part of your job or almost the only job in some ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was overwhelmingly a big part of the job and, and still to this day, I don't know. Like, is that, is that, is that just the job of like a CMO at a big company? You know, I, I don't know. I haven't asked enough people, I guess, but, um. But yeah, it was, well, the first part, here's the first, the first, I guess, problem is you're inheriting an entire team. You're inheriting everybody. You didn't select one of these people. And so, and you're coming into an environment and every single enterprise, they'll never hire you if you come in and say in the interview, like, oh yeah, I'm going to fucking clean house. Like I'm going to come in. We're just going to tear it all apart. I'm going to fix all this up. You'll never get hired. So you, you have to basically say, nope, nope. Everybody's going to stay like. I'm going to come in, I'm going to assess, evaluate, get people in the right places, you know, um, and I don't like to fire anybody. Nobody, hopefully nobody really does. I don't, I don't want to fire people. I don't like to let people go. You have to, but I I don't like it. Um, and so just inheriting the team and then trying to make it work, you know, that was just like, oh, I did not like that. I, I would have the, like the reptilian brain of mine would have been like, please, can we just fire everybody and start over? But the empathetic human brain is like, I don't, that's not right, you know, that's not the right thing to do. So then I was always in the struggle of like, well, what's right, what's best for the company, what's best for the people, if I do what's best for the people, that's what's best for the company, sometimes not. So I learned a lot of lessons just with in that. But then I also learned like, and you know this about me, like, I really fully believe if there's challenges you're having at work, or if you're in an obstacle at work, it's directly related to something you're dealing with in your personal life, you know, and and sometimes to break through those things at work, you have to dig into that stuff. And when I hire people here, I tell everybody that, you know, I tell everybody, this is how I operate when it comes to things. So like, if you're dealing, if you're struggling with something at work, we may need to dig in. I'm not going to try and get like deeply personal, but like mostly just like relating it to something, you know, and that kind of thing. And and we call when that, you inherit we call people, that father,
0: we call that father would up when that comes out. Yep.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. And like, uh, but when you inherit people, you don't know, are they going to be okay with it? And then you see people that just get stuck and then they, and you, and you can clearly see, you know, cause I'm older, you know, been there, done that or whatever. You can just so clearly see like how they're stuck and then they don't want to hear, you know, the right thing. So I would carry all this home with me. So I'd see just people struggling at work, but not willing to like actually do the work to fix it then they would blame things, you know, and I could, it was just so apparent to me. And and some of those people, like, you want to help them and you can't, you know what I mean? And so then I would carry all this home with me and some people would actually get, dig into me on, dig in with me on things. And then I would be carrying this other emotional weight with me too. You know, I was like, oh my God, now I, oh God, I could feel bad for him or whatever. Um, and so that was hard. And I think that, Either I, either I don't do management, like that kind of stuff the right way, or I do, but like the right way means like you shouldn't be managing that many people. Um, or when I hire people, just making sure, you know, like I do now that they're okay with that. They kind of understand that at least, you know, I think it's really, that's really mostly it. Like you just understand, you know, that at least that like stuff you're dealing with over here is probably like directly related to just like, you know, personal stuff. So yeah, it's so- a big one for me.
0: Before we move from flannel Jason to startup Jason, are there any other big lessons that, uh, you learned in the enterprise that we didn't cover yet?
1: Yeah. And I think some of this was also just where I was at maturity wise, you know, myself too, but I, there was a lot of masking going on for me. And what I mean by that is like being somebody that I, that I'm not. And I think it's more rampant in enterprises because of how it's set up the structure because of how the structure is set up and honestly because of some of the leadership people that you know enterprises tend to hire um uh and i just lost my train of thought what was the fuck? this God, is one it. that like usually i can pick
0: up like where you're you're beating me halfway oh, no, but the, i I'm haven't heard it. you i haven't heard you talk about this before so i
1: can't i can't give you the assist what was i talking about <laughs> oh, Shit! shit 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 I wish I could rewind it. Oh, my God. How did that happen?
0: Um, uh, oh, this is going to be an amazing social clip. All right.
1: Yeah. So, we can, we, so we can come back. It's going to yeah, come we'll back like on five on. minutes. We'll yes. No,
0: and we're not cutting this out because this is a real podcast. Nope. All right. Nope. So, you know, you've uh, got all this experience in the enterprise. And I think, you know, while you were still at. I don't know if we can say this, well, I guess it's our podcast so we can say this. Well, you're at Workfront, you were advising for another company that rhymes with Schmeta data. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> you were, I think doing quite a bit of work like while you were working at Workfront. So did you like, was it just time to start looking at startups? Like what yep. prompted you to to leave the big enterprise and kind of what were what were you looking for?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And so in this transition, I got fired from Tableau, surprisingly, and was not ready for it. And so, but I actually was already, and I was only like a year and a half in. I already had no, I knew this isn't for me, but at the same time, the golden handcuffs were, the lockdown on me from a money perspective was like, I just felt like I can't leave, you know what I mean? A part, I was like, I need to find something. I felt like I need to find something that's got a, a big equity component, you know? So that's where I started thinking, like, maybe maybe startup is the place now because I need to kind of replace, not replace, because I hadn't, like, built my lifestyle up. But I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I like this, you know, like, I'm at this level now. I don't want to, you know, kind of go back. Yep. Um, and so. That's where I was like, I was uncomfortable. I knew I had to, I knew I was like selling my soul. I knew like the, you know, the soul sucking was happening. I was just like, this isn't good for my mental health. And, but how do I do it? And then I get fired. Well, there you go. That's how you do it. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about it. You just get fired. Now you gotta figure that out. Um, and I started just doing some freelancing for Lytics, who's a startup that I know the CEO pretty well. We worked together at Workfront or sorry, whatever, uh, <laughs> another company I worked at a long time ago, Webtrends, thank you. Um, and he's like, oh, I need, you know, I could tactically help him with stuff. Um, and so I went there, I was like, and I freelanced. I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. You know, like I'm, I'm in there, we're doing stuff. I'm fixing things. I'm back in Google analytics. I'm back in the ad platforms, you know, I'm like having a good day. Um, and that's where I was like, oh, maybe I'll, maybe this is the route. And when I did and Workfront reached out and I said no, and they reset again. I was like, no, you know, um. But then I felt like maybe they were smaller, and so I think I talked myself into it. They were three thousand people um and I think I'd had some interviews, and I felt like it was kind of small. but then when I got there, it was like worse honestly than like most of the other places, really, <laughs> yeah, just I mean, I think you know uh I'll just roundabout way saying like you know, work front of the Utah company, and I feel like the culture of that company was not the best for me um or for getting things done well. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was the same problems as any other enterprise, but maybe just exacerbated more because I feel like people were really trying to put on a show, you know, there. And I think the show was more part of like the cast, you know what I mean? Um, the leveling, like, I'll just be honest through the church. Like it was just very, very apparent. Um, and, and so I was like, oh. This isn't working for me. And then it was also a lifestyle company. And I didn't really realize that. I didn't really know. I don't think I really knew what a lifestyle company was, but what it was, was basically, I guess, meant like, you don't have to work a lot because- <laughs> like, um, Wait, what? I don't even know this. <laughs> yeah, there's like, yeah, it was set up as a lifestyle company, which, you know, basically like get the profits, hire a bunch of people, work eight to five, nine to five, you know, and you're done, you're just done. And the way I work, and this is why I started to, it was like, I would get all my stuff done in like 20 hours in the week. I'd be done, basically done with, I mean, I could have done more, but I was exceeding all my expectations, goals, exceeding goals. So it was like, yep. and then when Jason gets bored, that's when bad things happen. You don't, you know, Jason, Jason shouldn't be bored. You know, like I would, I, I might get into things, you know, I might drink a little too much. I might, who knows, but you know, I don't wanna, you know, Jason should be on task on things. And so a 20 hour a week job, I wasn't at the point in my life where I was ready to fill it with like hiking and all this other like healthy stuff. So I was like, okay, I got to find more work. And that's where I was like, oh, started looking around. And that's where I found, that's where I, I happened upon metadata just as a product that somebody told me I should look into, you know, just from a marketing perspective. Oh, have you heard of metadata? You should really, ch- nope, not at all. You should really check them out. I don't know what and they're doing over just there. So, but just so cool people stuff. know, like time frame wise, when yeah. was that conversation had? That was spring of 2019, spring of 2019. I was at a conference, I think even. And I remember I was at this conference and metadata wasn't there, but I heard about metadata from like two or three separate people that I knew. And I was like, okay, that that doesn't usually happen. I just hear about a random new technology that I haven't heard of. Um, and that's where it all started. I got the demo from Logan and I was just like, oh my God, yes. I'm a marketing ops guy. You know, I, I know marketing technology and this was different. And so it was just like, this is it. This is it. This is the one, and then I for six months, yeah, I was doing the full time workfront thing and maybe half time, um, or a little bit more with metadata, yeah. Um, And that's then six months in, I quit that enterprise job, and here I am. And now the hair's long, and like t shirts are out, scrub beard, yeah. yeah, whatever we call
0: this, best hair on LinkedIn, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna. Ask the harder question first, because I think the easier question is how are enterprise and high growth startups different? There's a million ways that they're different. We can go through a couple of those, but the harder question is, are there any similarities between the two now that you've, you know, been building a team from the ground up at a startup and have all this enterprise
1: experience? Um maybe demanding CEOs, maybe that doesn't change. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably,
0: uh, uh but, probably fair to just assume it's consistent,
1: but like it, you know, at the enterprise, I wouldn't report to the CEO. Um, so I was a little bit more removed. So that was maybe similar, um, uh, I mean, departments, you know what I mean? But then like, you know, you don't have the same number of people. So no, not a lot of similarities. I mean, you know, you just, the way you go about working, you know, I think is like similar, but, um, but the things you're doing, the things you're taking on, the amount of centralization, um, yeah, not a lot too much similar. All right. So we've got that out of
0: the way and there's probably a hundred at minimum differences that we could go through, but maybe run us through the top three differences in your eyes between working at, at, in both environments
1: well, this is the, the top one is just getting shit done. You know what I mean? So like the amount of stuff that you and I have done in the last two years, um, like, and I even, I started saying this when you, I think probably right after you first joined, cause I still have that enterprise. Like I I've lost some of it now, but I still could feel like how it would work. And I just remember thinking like, we actually, it felt like we got more stuff done than like a 25 person enterprise marketing team, just the two of us, you know? And I it's honestly crazy. think, I, it could be true. It honestly could be true. Um, because we were aligned, you know, we had high goals to meet. We worked hard. We're also smart. You know, we work smart. Um, but you don't dwell on decisions and you have to be very clear about what's good enough. You know what I mean? Cause like, if you're too wrapped up in like the high quality only, you know what I mean? You're just, it's, it's not going to work out. And so you have to be, I think it's not just, fast, it's knowing the balance. You know what I mean? Because like you gotta know the balance and different things need the quality and different things need the speed. And that's something that you take that to an enterprise and everything has ends up having to be high quality because everybody wants to review it. And everybody has to give some feedback and then it's actually not high quality. It's actually pretty bad, but it's so average that everybody can like somewhat nod. You know, like, oh yeah, you know, no no one's like, fuck yes, like let's do this. They're like, oh yeah, okay. It's there. And um, so yeah, so that was that was that was the biggest thing I noticed and I was so excited about. It was just like, wow, look at all this stuff. And then we would actually people would actually comment on it consistently, like, you guys are just two people. And I just that would feel so I loved getting any feedback like that was probably my favorite type of feedback through this whole scenario like experience is when we hear that. When we hear like, you guys are just whatever, however many people. You're doing this? Ah, oh, man, that feels good, you know? <laughs> I think uh, it's, it's, and I, I'll never forget
0: when we first started to hear that feedback. And it's something that I think you and I are always trying to keep, uh, like, as we grow the team, because it means the world when we hear other companies and, you know, even target accounts say, wait, your marketing team's only nine people. Yeah. Like, we still get that feedback. So it is something that I think you and I are
1: trying to maintain, which is challenging too. Oh yeah, for sure. That's something I definitely want to, yeah. Um, we'll stay lean. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want us to like kill ourselves, but we'll always stay fairly lean, I can imagine. Um, until we're an enterprise, then we'll then we'll be out. We'll hand this over to somebody All
0: right. else. <laughs> so you gave us uh, number one. You're on okay. the hook for uh, two All right. other big differences or biggest.
1: Um, I think the the amount of transparency. Now I don't, I can't say this for every enterprise or sorry, for every startup. Cause this is the only one I've been at, I've seen Lytics too. And I don't know if Lytx is as, as transparent as we are. Um, but the raw transparency between departments, you know, and also within of course, you know, but we we're in control of that, but like across departments, the transparency, the, like the low ego, you know, oh, that's actually, you know, what that's, that's the big one. That's a big one is like the department heads have just. They're not there puffing their chest like, "What's wrong with you? what's wrong with you?" They're sick. they're taking it in, they're seeing where they can make changes where they can make improvements, they're not thinking they're doing everything perfectly um, you know they're there to you know figure out what's the best next thing to do and do it so I think that the the, the, the mentality, the personality of the people that we're working with, I think that that's the, that's a huge difference um, yeah, that's a huge difference. you can't I don't think you can succeed at a startup. 70 to 80% of the people in enterprises would not succeed in a startup. I guess I'd I'd probably say that based on my experience, because you have to be a full self-starter in a startup. And most people in enterprise that I've worked with are not that, um, there's kind of, you know, they're working for a reason, um, and they're waiting to be told what to do. Um, yeah. So that's different. And then. Actually, let me interrupt for one second. So I will say that, you
0: know, this is the, this is the fourth startup that I've worked at and of those startups they've all had varying degrees of transparency not any of the startups that i've worked at has been as transparent as this startup is and that comes from the top down with gil and i think it's ingrained in the culture every single all hands meeting that we have he encourages people to ask any question that they want and i'll hold you to this i've been on i don't know how many i've been on at this point i've never heard him
1: say no i won't answer that question have you Oh, no, no. And he pulls up the bank account. You know, he shows the entire like he, company like, the bank yeah. account. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, 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 the most transparent I've ever seen too. And so that's why I, like you said, you've had more experience that is maybe not like that at all every startup, but I would have to imagine that hopefully they're a little bit more more transparent generally than an enterprise would be. Um, a lot of times in enterprise, like things just, they get away with doing things and just saying, you don't need to know. You know what I mean? Like, and then you just be like, I hate oh, that. Yeah, like fire, like when people get fired or lay, lay out, all that kind of stuff. Like oftentimes enterprises don't handle that stuff very well. And they're, they just kind of like don't answer. Oh yeah, you know? we
0: we, ex- we exited them and yeah. like, that's it. That's like, what you fired yeah. them. There's yeah, what happened. <laughs> yep.
1: Yep. yep. Um, let me think of, let's see if I can think of a third major difference. And, and, and while you're thinking
0: of the third one, I'll give you a little bit more time to think. What is unusual about working at metadata right now is the, the lack of egos really. I have not seen anything like this before, uh, which leads to a pretty amazing work environment because once the egos start to get in the way and you have to worry about pleasing those egos, that's not the type of work environment that I want to work in and knowing you, you hate playing that game too.
1: Yeah. And I, as you were saying that, I was just thinking like, and this, but this kind of really goes along with the other one. It's the sales team, the sales, the, the relationship oh, between that's marketing a, the, and sales. That's the third one. Is yes. it? Okay. Relationship <laughs> between marketing and sales. Yes. So, all right. Floor is yeah. yours. Um, every enterprise I've ever been at, I've, well, I've never been at an enterprise where sales and marketing alignment was good. Like, um, where it was. You know, we're like one and one, it was three. You know what I mean? It was like one and one was one. <laughs> it's like most of the places. And and egos. And that's why I think it kind of keyed me when you say like egos, I think were part of it. But also, you know, you've got two very strong CMO, head of sales, people that are reporting to a CEO, you know, and they need to look as good as they can. And it's a lot of, I think it's just a, like a lot of, how do I look? How do I show up? you know, and that, and you know me, like, I, I don't like to have to think about that. It's extra energy that I'd rather put into the fucking thing. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I even got coached on this from like my manager at Microsoft, you know, it was all about perception, Jason, you know, like, and you gotta, it's like, oh man, I don't, I want to not believe that, you know, like, um, and so, yeah, so I think that's a, that alignment and the the lower egos. And, you know, I think it's just, um, makes it a lot easier, makes it a lot easier. So we could probably do an entire episode
0: on the last thing that you mentioned, and maybe we should, we'll bring on clay sometime, but if we don't do another episode, what are some of the reasons why you think we are so aligned with our sales team and why we have the relationship that we do? Cause it, I haven't seen anything like that before in my career.
1: Well, I think the first part is that we we started it together. You know what I mean? So like we were, there was like 10 demos a month coming in when like Clay was hired and I was hired, you know, and so, um, and, oh, and this is another difference. So through all my enterprise work, I hated leads, the, ah, leads. I just, because I was the one in there and this is an actual thing we did at Workfront. Oh, hey, um, the sales team is saying they're not having enough leads. This is exact. This is the conversation we had. Oh, okay. Let's lower the lead score threshold. Okay. they want more leads? Cool. No problem. Let's just, let's just to dial that down a little bit, you know, then that was the solution. That was like the, that was the solution. And, um, and I was just, hold on, and, what, what
0: was going on in your head when you had that proposed as a solution?
1: Well, first of all, I was like, because it was Workfront and I was kind of, kind of still getting indoctrinated. I'm like, this is all we have to do. You know, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> this is what we do. Like, this is what marketing does when there's a problem. Like we just like get in a room and decide, <laughs> well, hey, you know, let's, let's just like dial that down. Okay. Let's, let's not try new programs. And I would re- even remember saying like, you guys, the reason I first bought, cause I had bought Workfront, you know, before. I was like, the reason I bought Workfront, you guys, like we had amazing ads. There were like these animated videos that like showed marketers' hairs on fire and it caught my attention. Now it's also watered down. And and yeah. And so like I didn't want to, I didn't want to perpetuate this leads thing. And so I when I just first came in, I was like, all right, Clay, we're just handing off demo requests. You know, like I don't need you guys to to nurture my leads. I don't need, you know, it's it's a false metric, you know, for marketing, um, that I can absolutely game. I can game leads all day long, even MQLs. Like I can figure out how to game that. Right. It's, it's the same thing. yeah. And so like, that's why it feels like leads now, again, it's based on how you're set up. If you have a fucking humongous SDR team, great. You need probably leads, but it's again, based on how you set it up. So because we started together, we didn't hire a bunch of SDR, we had Ashley, you know, And we didn't hire a bunch of SCRs to take leads. We hired Ashley to book demos that we brought in uh, and then to do outbound. And so yeah, I think that was one of the big things. And then also just telling Clay right from the beginning, you know, hey, I see marketing as a sales support function. You know, I'm not trying to be here like be this brand, you know, CMO, like, you know, that I think that the entire success of the company is because we've built this amazing brand. I'm like, that'll be part of it, but no, at the end of the day, we're here to support sales, you know. That's you. And so uh, every interaction is like, and Clay would say this, if there's a problem, he knows we will address it. He knows that we will be on top. We won't try and excuse our way out of it. We won't try and like silver lining it. If he's saying the leads are shit, okay, the leads are shit. Let's start from that. And then let's work our way, you know, let's work our way up. And I think he knowing that, that we're serious about it also kind of helps the relationship. Yeah. And I think... From my perspective too, like,
0: I've got more experience with the mid-level sales directors and, you know, you're working with Clay all the time and, you know, we occasionally get together as a bigger group, but I think the thing that stands out to me is both sides aren't scared of having tough conversations yeah. and constructive conversations and we really don't take any of it personal either side and knowing that that's the kind of environment that you can have those conversations in not only does it lead to better conversations, it leads to better outcomes, and it just leads to a better relationship at the
1: end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it helps that Clay started with an appreciation for marketing. There's a lot of sales leaders that honestly do come at it thinking like, oh, marketing is a nice to have, but I can make my number without it. There's a lot of, I mean, you know, absolutely still a lot of sales leaders out there that believe that. Um, And Clay knows better, (laughs) which is nice, yeah. (laughs) So
0: we've got time for one last question, and it's an interesting one. What is the thing that has surprised you the most, good
1: or bad, at working at a startup? Feeling living in the growth that we've kind of helped manufacture um, is just been like this really eye-opening experience, you know, that like I mean, it's like, if you never get to a experience, I feel bad, I mean, not like, not like that, but it's- it's the, No, this isn't coming from a bad place. Yeah, I know no, no, no. Everybody no, listening, it's, like, yeah, it's not yeah, like, hey, uh,
0: look, you're never going to get this. No, we're not saying that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but to be able to just like have things work, you know, and uh, we work hard at it, right? But like, just, and I, I know you said surprising, so it doesn't really, it, it, can, it kind of fits, but doesn't. But I think the surprising part to me was that it works. That like, you know what I mean? Like the, the surprising thing was like, holy shit, and I, I know we have like nine marketers now, but when it was you and I, I was like, wow, the two of us just did that, you know? And like, we'd come up against a new quarter and this still happens today. Like we come up against a new quarter and like, oh my God, the pipeline number is what? And I start the quarter thinking like, well, I guess I'm not getting my bonus. <laughs> I literally, sometimes I'm like, well, all right. Like maybe I'll get some of my bonus this time. And then we meet it. And I'm like, what, how did we do that? You know? And honestly, then when I look around, I'm like, honestly, how did that happen sometimes? I'm like, you know, how did that happen? And so I think that's been the surprising part is like, just just the seeing the fruits of the work and like, and it's not just labor, you know, like we did smart things, you know, we did smart things, we made good decisions, we, we listened to our gut, you know, and just seeing all those things over time pay off. I didn't think I would ex- get that experience. So I think that's been the most surprising is just like being able to get that experience of like that time that it took. You know, everyone says like, you know, hey, Content marketing is a long game. Yeah, you can say that. But then when you live through it, you actually start to understand how it works and why. And you know what I mean? And so then like when you and I go and do our next thing, we'll just have all of that experience behind us. And we'll know like, okay, this is why you do it this way. And, you know, we'll be able to explain it. And so like that's been, I think, yeah, the biggest surprise to me is like um just being able to have those things just work and then get those learnings and just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, there's a couple of things. One
0: is very rarely is there ever a single campaign or single event or single anything where it's just like you launched it, you released it, whatever, and, and boom, you, you're you there. It's gradually releasing these things, consistently releasing these things and picking up momentum and making each thing better than the the, the previous one. And it kind of compounds over time. Like I'm thinking back to... Just a million funny stories that we've had from the time that we've been working together. One, when we announced demand, we were in a basement in an Airbnb and it was two marketers at the time. And we just saw all the registrations coming in. It was like, holy shit, holy shit. Were there things that broke? Was it crazy? All that stuff for sure. But then you fast forward to today, whenever this episode gets released, we just, we've launched a new community today and it was the most painless launch ever like nothing bad happened we were blown away at the chat how many people were in there from day one and it's just it's pretty cool that all the work that you put into along the way makes some of these things almost feel like a little like less eventful even though they're big <laughs> deals it's kind of yeah. like a pinch yourself moment
1: yeah yeah no yeah that's that's true for sure it's been fun yeah and well i'm sure we'll have a lot more fun oh yeah all righty well we are at time this
0: was good uh i'm glad that I've seen flannel Jason pictures before. We'll have to do that in the social clip, but I'm glad that startup Jason is here uh, and he's his uh, normal self day in, day out. So happy to be working for him. And this is a fun episode to record. I know I know a lot of these stories, but most people probably don't. Yeah, this is fun. Easy, easy episode (laughs) for me. (laughs) All righty. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week on Demand Genio. Thanks everybody.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns and experiment at scale, you'll love metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.